And welcome to the Active Inquiry podcast, episode seven, our first live podcast. Gavin, are you feeling as intimidated as me, having all these people in the room? I'm trying to, trying to not swear. So trying you are live on the Active Inquiry podcast. Please do not swear. <laughs> We normally are not an explicit podcast, but of course, given that we have a lot of new people in the room today, let's try and keep this swearing. Everyone gets one, okay? Everyone gets one swearing. So, um, this is episode seven. We are in a very special place today. Where are we, Gavin? What have we been doing today? Oh, sorry. Um, so, we're out of the Pay room. attention. Uh, we are at the end of the SPECTACT event. Uh, so, that started today. We've had performances from the Active Inquiry Company. We've had performances from the ALMA Project, from Shakti Women's Aid, and from the Bethany Christian Trust, and lots of exciting, interesting discussions with the audience. And for those of you who are in the room, obviously, it's an audio podcast, not everyone can see, but we have a very different setup today. We have a panel that we have here. So our panel consists of Lynn Clark, who is on the board of Active Inquiry. That's you. I like that. Pointing and a podcast doesn't work. (laughs) And the audience have recognized that an audio podcast needs to be loud. I like that. We have Gavin Crichton of Active Inquiry. We have Nick Gardner, who is on the board of Act Inquiry and is also a local Labour councillor. And um, your surname might elude me, Aileen Ackland from the University of Aberdeen we have up here as well. We decided, we've been together, we've had a really lovely day, we've had lots of uh, laughter, we've had lots of tears... You've had lots of uh, singing, lots and lots of singing, and it's been a really joyous occasion. Gavin, do you want to sort of take us through what we've done today for the context, people who aren't here? Um, yeah, we, so we started today at, at half past 12, and we had a performance from the Active Inquiry Company of a show called The, the, the Fairground. Um, we performed that as a piece of forum theatre, uh, so we had various interventions with that piece. And then we had a lovely soup and rolls for lunch. And then after lunch, we had uh, uh, performances uh, from the Alma Project, The Bare Necessities. We had a performance from um, Shakti Women's Aid, Dancing in Freedom. And then we had a a performance uh, from the Bethany uh, Drama Group, which was called Downhill Slalom, Uphill Struggle, was the title for that piece. Um, And all of them were followed by either discussion with the audience or with actually forming the pieces and having some interventions from the, from the audience. Then we had a well-needed coffee break, and now that brings us to this point. I like that that was such a thorough review of the day you added in the lunch and the coffee breaks, <laughs> just so we know that you actually fed people. Uh, he people. missed out the bucket for the collection. Ah, good, <laughs> <laughs> yes, there was a donation bucket too. Um, so the topic for the podcast that we're going to talk about is what now? So I've given you all that question to think about sort of between uh, the last performance and the podcast itself, is, is what now? We've come together in this room, a lot of discussion, a lot of discussion, a lot of really important discussion, I think, from, from the vibe in the room. But what now? Is there a what now? Should we be thinking about what now? Um, and I'm going to start, I'm going to sort of turn over to both uh, Lynn and Nick, because when I was, um, when I was watching today... Um, I was actually quite heartened to see that we already started to have this conversation. 
I know that Lynn, when uh, the Alma project were on doing their performance and afterwards we had a discussion with Emily um, discussing the, the, the uh, challenges that have, been, that, have, that have hit the Alma project. And you asked a really important question, I think, was how can we help? So I wonder if you want to talk about that and why that sort of came in. And also with Nick, um, a little bit about how um, when the Bear Necessities, again, the Allen Project were on, you were giving uh, suggestions saying we should get this into schools, we should do this. So, um, yeah, just why that came up. Why? why? Okay, well, I was, I was incredibly... I was moved. I was also laughing. I was laughing and crying at the same time, <laughs> as lots of people were, with the Bear Necessities. But to hear then how this project had been forced to move from place to place because of circumstances, yes. And I thought you were very generous, Emily. With There was no condemnation. You're saying these things happen. We had to move. We had to go. But that the, this project had carried on and you'd ended up doing the first performance ever this day so effectively, so clever, wasn't it? It was so simple. You know, capturing it with a song and some actions, but the depth and the difficulties that were captured through that was just so impressive. And so naturally I thought, well, how can we help? How can we ensure you don't have to move on again? So I guess that's a question we could put to us here. Is how can you know such an important project? Is there anything that we can take out of this room to the real world and see whether we can I don't know get other people, I wouldn't have known about it if I hadn't been here today, would I? So how do we get it outside this room? And the other thing that struck me was the um, was the, the, the dry dock bar. I just thought that sounds fantastic and I want everybody else to know about it. Perhaps we can come back to that one later so we don't confuse our podcast listeners. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, th- I think it's been a fantastic day. There's been a Four different pieces, a variety of pieces. They've all had common themes. But what I especially liked about the Bear Necessities, it was a very simple fable. I think everybody could understand that. It was about two bears that basically just wanted to live their life peacefully, harm nobody, and get on with things and all the difficulties. I won't give any spoilers. (laughs) (laughs) But it was... For such a simple piece... It provokes quite a wide discussion. Lots of different people had different reactions, different perceptions of it. And I really think it's, it's a piece that, was, because it was just three people, I think it'd be very, very portable. I think it'd be great to see it going out in schools. It could go to community centres. I could see it going to all sorts of mm. circumstances. Day centres for the elderly, sports clubs. It would work very well in... In, in, in local libraries. The city chambers in front yes, of the council. Yes, I think it could work. <laughs> I, I do think it could work, actually. Um, so, it's taking it out, taking it, taking it out, of, out of the room. Because I think one of the themes that I got from today, in all of the pieces, they, they kind of all showed largely... Different, different people acted. Yes, there was usually somebody who was the victim of injustice... Or, or, or had difficulties, but there were other people who had their own problems or who were also contributing to those problems or their problems, their difficulties weren't actually answered. Like there was a brilliant bit in the last piece where somebody pointed out that, that the poor GP was actually toiling and <laughs> went into the motivation of the GP character who was just handing out lots of prescriptions and was, was sinking and swimming themselves. And I thought that run through, 
all of the pieces was actually we just need to find better ways of working together and, and how we would interact to, to make allies of each other rather than enemies of each other. And in terms of taking it out, out you know, it, it really is about getting more people on your team, more people sort of understanding and making those, those links. So I think that's something we could do. And I, I think the first piece, the, the, the Bears piece, was, was, was particularly adaptable, but it wasn't the only one. Um, I think it just, well, thanks very much um, for the feedback, but also just to, to say that part of the whole project is showing that, you know, any one play can't really tell the complexity of all these different stories, but there's a lot of stories that are reflected again and again. So, so there's something about this event having all these different ways of telling the stories that kind of captures the, the way that people are interconnected and the fact that... Um, at different parts of each of the story, there are people with different kinds of discrimination um, that are impacting on other people's discrimination. So, yeah, it's just that was, yeah, great. Yeah, I think I very much agree that, that each, of the, each of the pieces was very powerful in its own right. But in some ways, the real power came from the interplay between the plays, uh, between the different interventions, and the empathy that was in the room from different people interpreting those situations in slightly different ways and offering alternatives and working across the different plays and I found that very powerful and just the value I think of having different people in different circumstances but actually being able to read into any individual situation um, other kinds of difficulties, other kinds of challenges and other kinds of possibilities as well Yeah, I'd just like to pick up on that really um, especially the last two pieces, I think, there was such a direct link. All three pieces, certainly, but because of often with domestic abuse and domestic violence, there's alcohol involved. So to hear about the dry dock was really inspiring and really moving, and I think it's just to, to make those links, really, and for the groups to kind of hear each other's Stories and hear each other's issues, and for us to share. That's an, that's another way forward. I think the connection. We've um, we've talked about this dry dock project a couple of times. So I think for the benefit of the people who aren't here today, maybe I know we have an actor in the audience who would be able to tell us a little bit more about the dry dock project. Hi. Well, the dry dock has been born out of. Um, lots and lots of recovery meetings over a few years but the one consistent theme that kept re reoccurring is, was there's nowhere to go at weekends if you're in recovery that's safe and there's nowhere to, nothing to do in, in the evening in recovery that's again a safe dry environment so we've been really lucky um, to almost stumble upon the old bowling green pavilion um, down on Leith Links just next to the tennis courts and we're in the process at the moment of converting it into our um, re recovery venue where recovery is hard enough work and people need to let off steam. Um, so to that end, we, we hope to be putting on uh, Friday, Saturday nights, um, karaoke, DJs, uh, local musicians. Um, but on the other side, uh, we'd also like to run a cafe during the day and run classes 
um, have a meeting space, have a quiet space for like acupuncture, meditation. You know, there's, there's, there's many layers that we can get involved with. And it's just giving the re- recovery community something that's, that's I think, um, really needed in the area. So Can I jump in on that as well, just that I'm, I'm actually aware that there was a group in Aberdeen who'd heard about the Edinburgh experience and are actually trying to take that idea to Aberdeen in, the, in Aberdeenshire. And I think it, it's that kind of where one idea happens in, a, in one particular locality, but that actually that can spread and that experience can really inspire people in other areas as well to look for solutions. Yeah, and I think, I mean, I'll just, I'll just pop, uh, come in if that's all right. Um, yeah, and I think, from, so for me what's really interesting is, we, it, it, and always I find with, with Forum Theatre, um, is we have these, these kind of, these tensions in the, in the work that we're doing. So, so um, one is always between, um, between the kind of smaller changes we can make in, in, in relationships, I suppose, that, that we have with others and how we can renegotiate those relationships which have, can be very useful for the individual to think. And then the other thing is, is, is questioning the, the wider structure that enables those relationships to work. And there's always a kind of moving between those two things uh, in the forum. And I think we've had some examples today of things which are a bit more about the re- relationships and renegotiating those, which have actually been really important in things like a, um, a addiction that we've been exploring. But also, also some, some concrete examples of of wider things, you know, wider structural things that, that need to change. But that question has, has been raised and was raised particularly in the first piece, I think, about, you know, actually how much are we sometimes tinkering around the edges? That's my words. But how much are we doing that when, and how do we get to some of that bigger structural stuff to be able to change? And then the other thing, just to, just to say, is, you know, there's, that, there's always that tension, I think, between showing injustice and showing the world as it, as it is and not, not trying to hide from that, um, but also showing hope, you know, so that we don't make what, um, what Augusta Boal, who developed Forum Theatre, we don't kind of start make making theatre of the depressed rather than theatre of the oppressed, you know. So we're, we're having a tension between this is what happened and this is reality, but also, you know, there are some possibilities and there is, there is hope and solidarity here to change this. And I, so I'm just kind of marking that for me, all of these things on these spectrums have come out today a, a little bit, and it's been really interesting to, to see that. Okay, my question for that People being addicted, like you know, how would you stop somebody from like you know, doing? Because sometimes I don't think it's a, it's a choice. Like you can go to through all this and a lot of things, and you can't stop yourself from doing that. But how do they kind of like you know make somebody stop being addicted to something? Simple answer. <coughs> the simple answer is you don't. Um, uh, I, I decided to stop myself. Um, other people have tried to stop me over the years, and I refused. I refused help. I refused to stop because I wasn't ready to stop. I didn't want to stop. But as soon as an individual wants to stop, they'll stop. And then that's when they need support, be it through um, medical support, um, detox clinics, whatever it takes to stabilise the individual who's decided to make that choice for themselves. I think that's, that's the 
you know, that's the main way forward for people. Um, you can be encouraged to stop. You can be pointed in the right direction. Um, people can point the benefits of stopping out to you. But until you are prepared to take that step yourself, then you tend to go around in circles. But I, I, I think it's, you know, for the individual. It's a lot to do with kind of what Gavin's just said there is like the things that are being addressed through the Forum Theatre is that any kind of form of addiction is, the, is, is an example of dis-ease, the disease that we have in society. It's people's reactions to <clears throat> lifestyles that we actually would never choose for ourselves if we really actually had a choice between kind of the components of health, well-being, mental health, you know, uh, physical support, uh, like good nutrition, um, good choices of work and, and connected to actually our path and things that, you know, make us healthier and, 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 and more nurtured from our environment. And so I think that the addictions and, 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 and these things are all examples of the disease that's happening in society. And so that's why I go back to Gavin's point about tinkering with, you know, the, the, it, it's about what is actually going to affect change where's the how and it, we have all the aspiration we have the, the, the momentum but now we have to work on what's the how and people that have experienced the, the kind of extremes of different life choices and, and things that have been around them then it's about them informing the support process of, of, of where's the how and that's for me kind of looking at that Okay, skipping over Where to Gavin, there we go Although we talk about tinkering around the edges, I think you shouldn't um, demean yourself like mm. that at all because what you're doing is providing a profoundly important space where things can come out that wouldn't otherwise be said. Mm. Um, the voice of experience that has been shared today and the voice of hope that comes out of all of this can be taken to government. It can be introduced to them, not by taking it to St Andrew's house, but by inviting them to come and join us. And I think that's a very good way of doing it. And the voice of experience, when it's heard by somebody who is a policy advisor. If they've got a policy to do with community justice or policy to do with health or policy to do with well-being, if they were to be invited and welcomed here, yeah. then I think you'd find that change would be supported by the lived experience that comes out of these spaces to a very, very good effect. There's a huge amount of change coming along in Scotland at the moment to do with justice, and it's going to come down to local authorities and community planning partnerships. They should be invited too to come along and listen, participate... And participation is the key for all of these things. And then you'll find what happens here can be heard in places where structural change can be made to good effect. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, that that kind of chimes with some of the internal discussions we've been having in active inquiry as well about, about who, should, who should see these and be, and, and be part of the, the dialogue. You know, who should, who should be here? Who should we invite? Who should be part of those, those discussions? You know, and, and we can probably suggest today was a really supportive audience. And, but should, I mean, should we invite people who, who maybe aren't, you know, are represented as the oppressors in these pieces? Or from, I mean, is that, some, is that something that should be part of this dialogue? If we want change to happen, you know, is it, are we talking too much amongst ourselves? I, I don't know. We have to be. I'll just, I'll just be, sorry, I'll just remind people that we can't hear you if you're not speaking into the microphone. I'm going to head over here, but I'll come back, okay? I think that in each of these pieces here, we've, we've been examining how the oppressed person can help themselves in some way or other. I'm just wondering that often we have these groups like Alcoholics Anonymous, 
or these different support groups. But they're rather exclusive. You know, just the people who go along there are the people involved or their immediate families. And I'm wondering if how we can get these issues out to the public in general to involve support in friends, you know, that big issue there, um, would be by incorporating not just a, what's Alcoholics Anonymous, but different groups and the public in general by inviting them through things like Forum Theatre. I think that if, if we want the oppressors and or the system to change, then they have to be involved as audience, but probably not all of the audience at any given time. <laughs> so mixed in with other audience. But also I think it would be interesting to then invite them to almost do some of the uh, theatre of the oppressed techniques where you're saying, okay, well, what is the viewpoint so like we said, okay, the doctor is also having problems. If you actually had the system personified in the audience, if you could then explore with them, okay, well, what are some of the things that are making you, who we see as personifying the system, behave in this way? And, and it might be that then it's because we're going, well, your boss, no, your boss, no, your <laughs> boss, you know, and working up. And so I think you could do some some interesting things like that. But if we want to change the system, I think we have to involve them. I would like to pick up on that in a, in a kind of way, because one thing that I think runs through most of the active inquiry pieces is there's usually somebody in isolation struggling against all of the structures, and usually the interventions from the audience are about how you bring other people on side, because all of these structures are made up of, of individuals. And as we were talking, and we were talking about politicians, and sort of say, you know, I've seen myself, politicians are people. You know, if you get in our council chambers alone, 58 people and the difficult subject comes up, there's usually one person there amongst us who has been quite personally deeply affected by somebody, and there's personal stuff which I wouldn't go into. But I will give one example that's nothing to do with the council, and that is some of you will, most of you will remember Vice President Dick Cheney, who I used to joke was the most insidiously evil man alive and certainly responsible for a lot of very bad things and very much on the straight-jacketed right of the Republican Party. And there was this amazing moment when he spoke out in favour of gay marriage because his daughter was a lesbian. His daughter was gay. So he broke out of all of the moulds that you would normally associate with him and did something completely unexpected. So that, that thing about bringing the people in or, or coming to them, they are human. They will have their own human stories. As a, you know, Everybody's a hero in their own mind. Most people do not set out to be the villains. And I think it runs through all of the forum pieces and bringing the audience forward as well to, to intervene. It's bringing us together, breaking down things, making links right across all of us and all of society. I, mean, I think it would be wonderful if we could get some of the policy makers the ones who actually have the decisions up there, um, into this. But I'm going to play devil's advocate. This was a six-hour day. We're lucky if we can get them along for an hour mm. to see something. I'm trying to be realistic. Yep. We ha Nick is wonderful to us. He gives up his time and he comes. And we have a counsellor and we know who come and support us and spend all that time. But actually getting policymakers to give up a long time. So we need to think, what's, what have we got on our side? Well, I'll tell you something that we've got on our side. There are th 
well, there, I, I imagine there are several different, many, many different organisations represented here. But just that, you look at the three organisations that are uh, main listed. <laughs> I mean, though, those organisations in them, I would have thought, when, when else do they come together like this? When else is there cross-fertilisation between groups who I would have thought are in very different... You know, they, it's the thing you said about, well, you meet in your little group, but what about meeting out? I think that is an extraordinary advantage to say, if you come along to a part of our day, you will encounter people from this group, this group, this group. You will encounter other people who are doing that. And I think we need to be confident about what we can offer them. Mm-hmm. A chance to see all their vo- these voters, but also different, quote, causes represented. Does that, is that making sense? Yeah. Hitting yeah. chords? Well, uh, this question is for Kevin. Okay. Do you think we're changing anything, or is there something that we can actually do to send a message out there for other people who kind of, like, you know, not in, in, in a lot of difficult situations? And, well, the government is not really fair anyway. I can't speak for the government here because I'm from abroad, so I'm from Zambia, so it's different. But is there, like, you know, any message that you can send to other women to kind of, like, you know, give them courage to kind of really kind of uh, want to look forward? Is there a message that we're sending here? I mean, I... I, I don't know if I can if I can send that message really. I mean, all I, all I can say is we're, we're you know we're trying to, to to chip away and to involve groups and to to be open for people that that want to get involved and to support. Particularly, I kind of think that that the way we do what we do is a really useful tool that can support other organisations. That's why, you know, we didn't try to just start three groups from scratch. What we did was approach Shakti, approach the Alm Project, who are doing great stuff already and saying, look, we can add to what you're doing by using, using theatre. It's a different method to, to add to the campaigning and the skills that, that, that you've got in those, in those organisations. It's all, all I can say to that, I think, Gavin? Adis. You're not a snowflake on your own anymore. You're creating other snowflakes. Ailey, yeah. I got the impression you were wanting to add into that. Yeah, I was struck. In the, in the first piece, there was at some point, there was a reference to the equal opportunities policy in the document. Uh, in the in the organisation, um, and you know, and there was a recognition that that was uh, that was a piece of paper, and that obviously what was happening didn't adhere to that. But I think we do have a moment in time at the moment where there is a great deal of policy rhetoric around community empowerment, around community engagement, and that actually, in some ways, we can use that rhetoric for our, to actually to speak to power, if you like. Um, and if we can clearly articulate the ways in which actually these, these kinds of ways of working are linked to those agendas and those rhetorics of community empowerment, for instance, then perhaps we do invite those people into an audience because it's their rhetoric, if you like. Mm. And if we use that as a mechanism, I think that can be very helpful. Yeah, I would just like to, to add to that as well in terms of the whole ethos of working with the groups as we work with them is to enable voices to be heard that aren't usually heard. And the fact that this is going to be a podcast, people will hear the voices of the people here. And the people in the uh, the theatre companies that we're forming, 
they get to be heard, their voices get to be heard. And after we'd finished our Dancing in Freedom piece, somebody said in the audience, it was really good to see that shown, the breakdown of a relationship and the ensuing abuse and then the move forward into independence and freedom and the support. And it, that came from the group themselves, that they wanted to tell that direct story. And now that's out there. Mm-hmm. So that gets heard. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's step by step. You know, yeah. The longest journey starts with a single step. Yeah. Yes. And that's what we're doing today. Yeah, I mean, I, I would really agree because, I, I mean, I do think that uh, when I first came into this work many, many years ago, you know, you're, you're kind of thinking one, one piece of form theatre will change things and it will make it... And now, you know, I think that's, that's exactly what it is. It's really... And this is what this project's about and what we've been doing for years. So the real change comes from that long-term community development work, yeah. those small steps each way. And, and I'm really believing in that now and that's something that really yeah. keeps us going I think as an organisation and me going personally as well and I think every event that you do and that we come along to there's new faces there's different people it's not actually this, this, some familiar faces but I think most of the people in, around this room today are people that I haven't seen at an active inquiry event so the word is spreading all the time and I think going back to the first piece one thing you could do with that mm is take it to a conference of HR professionals. You know, human resources, people as professionals will have conferences, an hour session in between all of the talking heads that they will have, I suspect would be very popular. And, and they are part of the system that we're saying is the problem. So I think, you know, yes, I agree, it would be hard to get policymakers to come for six hours, but if you highlight particular professionals who gather together anyway and would be delighted to have something different <laughs> in their two days of conference, then I think you know, going out and seeking them and saying, yeah. look, we can do this interesting thing for you. At a very reasonable price. My sister happened to be in HR. You start with me. I'm a big sister, so she will move. She's told (laughs) Anyway, I have not forgotten this time. Good. (laughs) Uh, Nick, correct me if I'm wrong, but the councillors don't actually write the policy, it's office bearers. Oh. Is <laughs> we getting them along? No, I think that's a I think that's a very good point indeed. Um, I'm not saying that you don't need the policy before you <laughs> I'm not saying that at all. I know that every council well, in, does. In theory we write we, we frame the policy, elected members frame the policy, but it's the officers that actually write the devil is in the detail. <laughs> The devil is in the detail. Okay, um, I'm very conscious of time. I said that I was going to do half an hour. I, I think I've gone over that already. Um, I'm going to go to um, 
our last audience member to add in, and then I'll ask the panel if they have anything they want to add. Um, what I should say is that I did, in the break, um, because I was worried that people wouldn't want to talk, <laughs> I did ask the question, um, what now? And I put that on a flip chart. I got lots of different suggestions, and I was um, very gladly, uh, someone in the audience told me to them right how, how we do that. Um, I want to honour that, but we're not going to have time to go through them today. But what I'll do is, in the podcast story, we have, there's an article that goes with the podcast. Normally, I just do a wee blurb of what is said. But I'll put these up, and there will be, you will be able to comment and add it. So if we want to have that discussion, there will be a place for that. Okay, so. Um, I think that Gavin, I like the question you said is about like you know it, it, about taking this. I think that it, it, if a lot of the movements that have been happening over the past like kind of like last five years or so, I think that part of the the, the, the thing that is actually the stumbling block is that we are kind of bringing these things to people that are already coming round to the ideas. And that is wonderful, and I, I'm yeah. not detracting at all from all that kind of movement. I'm not detracting at all from that. I think that this is fantastic. New faces and new people getting involved and people connecting with it from different things. But I think that we have to take responsibility and realise that there's something about taking it to people where they are instead of expecting them to come to where we are. And that not as in a separation thing, I don't mean a separate... I, I just mean more like the recognition that... You know, everybody's got their journey and their parts to play in that process, and and that I agree with you that you know, like counsellors, like become more, much more humanised when they can identify with the issue, but that doesn't take away from the fact that they can still use that as a voting tool, and that's also what happens as well with their link to that humanisation is that they see that as a tool to to find votes and to find ways to connect with, like you know, to make them seem more human and more more real. So I think that it is ultimately about us all kind of looking for the space to find the, 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 the space to, to even have that conversation with someone that maybe you wouldn't normally talk to about the things that are happening that are transform- transformative. And so that's kind of like... So I like that kind of like, let's go out to the people that aren't quite here yet because that's where the change is going to happen. Absolutely. Take it to the streets. <laughs> <laughs> Well, actually, yeah. I said that the podcast would be successful. I didn't do a lot of talking. It's probably least I've Good stuff. Don't be so excited. I want to just put it over to the panel. Um, we're not going to finish this discussion today. Right? An active inquiry will be around a long time. Your organisations will be around a long time. Hopefully we can continue this dialogue. But I want to um, put it over maybe just to the panel just now, just to sort of wrap up and if there's anything you guys want to say. To the people here, or don't shake your head, no, Gavin. I mean, I, I mean, I just think it's been said. I don't know if I've got anything to add other, other than I've just had such an amazing day, and I've really said to myself today, right, I'm going to really enjoy this, and I have really enjoyed it, and not stressed about it too much. And um, you know, I, it's just been amazing how many people have got involved, said something, come up on stage, and I just think it's amazing. I'm going to be thinking about it for a long time. <laughs> I think I would say don't give up, don't give in. Life is a struggle, everything is a struggle. There's, there's happy moments along the way, there's good friends, there's victories, but it's a struggle to make the world a better place. So don't give up, keep fighting. I, I, sorry, I think for me, the, the, the moment actually when, the, when we explored the GP character was a very, very powerful mm. note for me. Uh, and I think it's, it's that one about opening up, recognising that the structure actually holds each of us in different places and that actually, although every individual story requires the empathy and, and the voice, 
opening up the ways in which the structure actually impacts on everybody in the story in different ways is really important. Um, I, this is, I'm going to end just really personally. I have cried from the heart today. I don't often cry in public. I've had a total stranger, thank you very much, hold my hand and be nice to me when I was crying. <laughs> I've laughed out loud and have, I've had a good dance. <laughs> and some of the powerful things that I've learnt about, I'm going to carry with me. And if I could bottle what's gone on here today, I would. And I'd put it in front of all these policymakers that we're going to go out to and say, get a hold of this, because this is really important. This is people. So no, we mustn't stop doing this. We must do more of it. Um, and I want to thank everybody who's worked so incredibly hard to give me a, an emotional roller coaster ride this afternoon. I love, you know, powerful stuff, guys, really. Remember, you can find all the podcasts, all seven of them now. Well, six, but I put on the seventh one, there'll be seven. Uh, on the um, Axum Inquiry Facebook and on the website and the WordPress, you can find them on iTunes. Please rate, comment. The, what I'm hearing is, and what I'm seeing from the analytics, is that loads of people are actually listening. Not many people come uh, having that conversation, which I think is important. Let's start with this stuff. Let's start with the what, now, and how that we've got on this board, and I'll put into the article. So let's have one massive big round of applause to finish off. Yeah.